With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Record Readers Podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by Mark McDougall and Gary Armstrong. On the pod today, we look back over a tumultuous game at Celtic Park, which wasn't short on entertainment or talking points, despite a lack of goals with the result finishing nil. Nil. Mark, your thoughts on that game? Uh, I think Rangers will be leaving Celtic Park happy to have taken a point, but they will be disappointed not to take all three. Uh, they had the best chances of the game. I know Scott Sinclair had a great chance in the first half and really should have scored. Uh, Fodrio pulled off a couple of good saves, but that save from Craig Gordon in the second half from Morelos' header is probably the best save I've seen in a long, long time. I mean, it's just Morelos does everything right. It's the only place he could go. It's back across the keeper like that, and it's just outstanding that he does it. Uh, and it's what Craig Gordon's good at. I mean, we all know he's not good with the ball at his feet. He's probably not a Brendan Rodgers keeper in the sense that he can't play out from the back because he gives the ball away so much. But that's what he offers that team. It's just that was an outstanding save. World class save. Gary, what was your take on the game? Surprising when you consider that um, most predictions in the lead up to the game had been 3 4 5 0 Celtic for Rangers to come away with a point, a, a very well deserved point. Some people even saying that they might have deserved the win um, was a, a big shock to most people. And I think probably the most surprising element was when both teams went in at the break, people would have anticipated they'd come out second half. And Celtic would have then gone on to score a couple of goals, but it was actually the other way about. Rangers were far and away the better team in the second half and certainly had their chances to win as well. Mark, you mentioned Craig Gordon. He was excellent. He had more than that, just that one save. He had a couple hours as well, but uh, conversely, Wes Fodringham was also very, very good and made a trio of saves in that first half. When Celtic were the better team in the first half, yeah, I, I would, I'm not sure I'd say Celtic were the better team for the whole of the first half. I think first 15, 20 minutes, Rangers started really well. Celtic came into it and had a great spell where they probably should have scored. But overall, I think Rangers forced them into quite a few mistakes, especially at the back. Lustig had an awful game. It was probably the worst game I've ever seen him play. And he's normally relied for Celtic. He's a really good player. But I just thought he was really poor today. Windass, Morelos, Candace did really well to push Celtic's defence back and the midfield back um, and when you look at how many players were missing for Rangers I think that's a really impressive point when you look at I mean if you go through the start 11 obviously Alves came off after 15 minutes you're missing Graham Dorans, Ryan Jack Kenny Miller Lee Wallace that's five players that go straight into the Rangers start 11 most weeks uh, Celtic did p- play well for 20-25 minutes of the first half where they dominated the ball Rangers sat back Sinclair had the chance the belly had a really good chance I mean, I don't know what he was doing. He tried to stud it into the net instead of just blasted it. Uh, Forrest had a good chance. But I don't think overall Celtic really dominated the first half, as Brendan Rodgers tried to say after the game, as Fiola just tried to say. I think it was a pretty even first half. 
I thought Celtic maybe shaded it in the first half. They were slightly the better yeah, side. Yeah, Rangers, like, Rangers were the better side in the second half. Yeah, of the yeah. day, but you, you talked here about the, the pressing game. That, that seems to be a, a theme running now, that when teams do well against Celtic, they're pressing them high up the park. Murty's taking the, the model that was laid down by Craig Levine and before him by Derek McInnes in the cup final. Have teams started to find Celtic out tactically? Potentially. I think um, Rangers were very good at it today, uh, particularly through Morelos. He harried, uh, harassed the likes of Lustig, who had several misplaced passes. Boyata, okay, Ayer came out of today's game with a bit of credit. But as we know, Brendan Rodgers likes to build his teams from the back. And as soon as you get your team on the front foot, closing them down, forces them into mistakes, as we saw early on with the Morelos chance... And, you know, Rodgers might have to start looking at some kind of plan B to to try and get around this in future. Now, it's hardly the end of the world, today's result for Celtic. They're still um, top of the table by some margin, widely expected to it'll be that way at the end of the season. But with the likes of European games coming up against Zenit, will Zenit be looking at today and recent games and thinking we will just press the Celtic defence, um, make them make mistakes and potentially knock Celtic out of Europe? I think you have to look as well as that the press does work, but that Celtic team is clearly tired. I mean, it's the 38th game of the season already. It's a ridiculous amount of games to be played. And uh, I think that's got a big thing to do with it, is that Celtic normally would be the team pushing up constantly, but they just don't have the legs to do it right now. Scott Brown looks absolutely shattered. Uh, same with Cal McGregor. Cal McGregor needs a run out of the team. He's just not, his, not himself recently. Uh, you can argue the same for Stuart Armstrong even looks at Dembele and Tierney they just don't look the players they were at the start of the season because they don't have the energy anymore Conversely Dem- with Dembele he looks to be a player that's perhaps played his last game the way he came <laughs> off at the end of the uh, when he was substituted clapping the fans do either of you think that he'll be around or do you both think that um, it's time for him to, to make a move for Celtic making a very very good and handsome profit from his departure I think if Celtic get uh a good enough offer for him, he will go. I mean, he's not really added um, any more sort of uh, any more to the price this season with his performances. They've been okay in patches; they haven't been great. But Celtic might just look at that and think, you know, let's get him away before he maybe sort of loses any more value. And the team do need a bit of a freshening up. I remember we were speaking on a podcast a couple of weeks ago uh, with Scott McDonald. He suggested they maybe need a new number ten. Um, just for a bit of creation behind the likes of Griffiths, Dembele at the moment and Edward. But just going on from what Mark was saying about players being tired, Celtic, some of last season and a lot of this season so far, have relied on individual performances. If you remember the likes of Callum McGregor earlier in the season where he scored a double against Hibs, an equaliser against St Johnston, um, Armstrong for large patches of last season, Dembele last season... There's no one really who's hitting an 8 or a 9 out of 10 every week for Celtic at the moment. There's a lot of 7s, a lot of 6s, and that's something that they'll need to address, um, possibly in the transfer window. If you're basing it on this season, I don't think Moussa Dembele is an £18 million player. Uh, I know he's been linked with Brighton for that one. He's just, he just doesn't seem to have the same, same influence on games as he did last season. Last season... When he played, you expected a goal. I don't think you do this season. Uh, I don't really think he did anything of note today, other than that half chance he had where he tried to stud it into the net, and then even then that was the wrong choice. 
like Lee Griffiths this season has been far superior for Celtic. But again, I think they're struggling from because of Rogers' rotation policy. That none of them are getting around the games up front, and they keep giving Edward a chance, but he's just not as good as Griffiths or their belly. So I don't understand why Rogers keeps sticking around that starting lineup in place of either of the two of them. You mentioned Dembele struggling today. I think he got a five in our match ratings. He was well marshalled though by the Rangers defence. Alves going off, you've already touched on that, and he's been getting a lot of criticism. Um, so we'll come, we'll come, we'll come on to him at, at, after we've first discussed Danny Wilson and um, David Bates, who at the heart of the Rangers defence performed, I thought, almost heroically at times. Yeah, if you take away the Kawarnock game last week, I think Danny Wilson under Graham Marty has been probably the best player for Rangers so far this season. He's been absolutely outstanding every week, uh, apart from that one game against Kawarnock when Chris Boyd bullied him left, right and centre. But uh, for the vast majority, he's a completely different player to what he's been over the last couple of seasons at Rangers. Uh, David Bates as well, I think a lot of fans would have been like, Oh no, when he came on, because he's a young guy up against Dembele, he's not really played that much, but he was rock solid, he won everything in the air, he was in the right positions to clear the ball, and he just, he defends first and foremost, there's not this getting it down play, if the ball needs to go, he puts it into Rosette, and that's the best part of his game, I would say. I think as well, the big question for Rangers fans is, under Graham Marty, great record against the top six, where they'll maybe go into the game looking to sit back, play defensively, soak up pressure. What they need to do now is turn it round against the lower lower um, teams in the table, the likes of St Johnson who beat, uh, get beaten by Hamilton. How do they change the mindset from defensive and counter-attacking into going and taking the game with a scruff of the neck and being more creative? Because although Rangers had their chances today, again it was mainly down the flanks the likes of Candias, Taverni, and that was the same at Kilmarnock as well. Kranzgaard didn't do anything today. Where's the creativity coming from in the middle of the park going forward for Marte and Rangers? Uh, what's your take on that, Mark? Obviously, Kranzgaard has come in for the last couple of games, and today he was, I thought, very poor in the first half, but in the second half they had a couple of moments. But fitness-wise, I know we keep on going back to this, he just doesn't maybe look quite there. Uh, I don't think Kranzgaard's ever been a player that's ran riot. Or not ran right, but ran himself into the ground for any team that he plays for. He's a guy that gets the ball, turns, plays it to the wide men, gets involved, creates chances. But the game games against Celtic are just too fast faced for him. I was I fully expected him to get a red card in that game. Just the way he was lunging into tackles, he just didn't seem to be able to cope with the pace. Uh, against teams like during the week against Motherwell, he was I thought he was Rangers' best player. To be honest, I thought he played really well. He was pinging passes all over the place, creating chances for everyone. Uh, but again, his legs caught up on him where he, the second half he just looked completely done and it was the same today. Uh, he just doesn't look like he's fit enough for these games. Uh, he's got. All, I still think he's got a lot to offer Rangers in the games against teams like Motherwell, Hamilton, St Johnston, Kilmarnock, at Ibrox, where there's more space for him to play with the ball. He's not being pressured as much and he can cut open teams at ease. But when he's got Scott, likes of Scott Brown, Chris Azure, uh, Stuart Armstrong all around him all at once, then he's got no chance because he just doesn't have the legs to play the way his mind wants him to. I'll take us back to Bruno Alves. He's been getting a lot of stick. If you look on social media and type his name in Twitter as a search, you'll see a hell of a lot of criticism for Bruno Alves. Now, I saw a journalist was saying that he came out of Celtic Park on crutches. 
So is there a is there a case that perhaps people are jumping to conclusions a little quickly? Yeah, I think you you can see what he landed. He landed really awkwardly. I don't know if it was his calf or his ankle, but he just didn't look. When he stood up, he just looked like he was done. You could tell right away that was it. I think people would be really harsh to say that he's pulled out of that uh, because his heart wasn't in it and stuff like that. I mean, guys at Portugal International, he's played in European Championship finals, he's played at the top level of the game, he's not going to pull out of this. I think he's an easy target for Rangers fans at the moment because he was the big marquee <coughs> uh, summer signing and he hasn't delivered really, um, to be honest. And in a game of this magnitude, when you see him pulling out of injury after... You know, he he wasn't in the country, I believe, for the earlier Old Firm game this season because he was he was then injured. But it, it was clear if he's coming out in crutches, you know, clearly injured and not really his fault. And you look at this is a thirty six year old as well that's had no summer break. He played Confederations Cup, was straight back into the Rangers team. I think he had a week or two off, so he's going to pick up niggling injuries like calf injuries and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, he's thirty six. He's not a young guy anymore. The older players, the body start to go. I. Give him a few weeks off over the winter break where he's probably going to be injured anyway. Don't play him in the Florida Cup if he, even if he is fit. Just give him the time off and see how he comes back. Is there a, a feeling now gripping the Rangers support that Bruno Alves is a man that's not going to be staying beyond the January transfer window? Because that seems to be where the rumour mill is headed and the discussion is headed. Th- Do you think he'll be there? I think that's just people jumping to conclusions. I fully expect him to be there. I think if he wasn't going to be there, Graham Worthy wouldn't have had us having the captain's armband ahead of Danny Wilson. Uh, Wilson wore it a couple of weeks ago can't remember who it was against but he was, was he wore the captain's armband that day Alves got it back if he was leaving he wouldn't be getting that yeah, and now that he's injured Johnny I mean who's really yeah. going to want to buy him in, in January who's really in the market for a 36 year old centre back injury prone this season I think he'll definitely be here until summer at least mm. I suppose it depends on how bad the injury is but you know you look at the Portuguese manager who's just gone into Swansea City Carlos Carvajal, they're struggling at the other end of the league. You think maybe there might be a, a link there, but there just does seem to be a, a feeling that, um, as you say, amongst the support, the Rangers support, that Alves, maybe his heart isn't isn't in it. I don't necessarily think that's been reflected in the pitch. I th- you, you said that he was, he's was he been disappointing. I think he's been exactly what you'd expect him to be. He's very, very good in the air, and he's, he's been dominant in the air for Rangers, a team that were losing lots of goals but via set pieces. Sure, they're still losing goals from other areas. Crossing the box has been a problem. But set pieces now, Rangers very rarely lose goals. And a lot of that is, I think, down to him marshalling that defence and organising them. Um, I think he's in a struggling team. It's difficult for a centre-half if you're in a struggling team. Yeah, I think Gary makes a good point that he's an easy target for Rangers fans right now. He's Cassini's guy. If I say Cassini's guy, I think they just have to... It's because they're Portuguese people assume that they don't knew each other before he signed. Stuff like that. Um, but he's done well. He's... Any game he's played, he's apart from apart from the Hibs game at Easter Road where he was quite poor at the goal, and uh, there was one other game as well where he was quite poor. But the vast majority of times he's played, he's been rock solid. By far the best defender Rangers have had this season over the course of the season. Danny Wilson's been great the last six seven games, uh, but again I think Bruno Alves helps Danny Wilson because he's the experienced centre back. When Danny Wilson's starting centre back with somebody who's not as experienced. I don't think Wilson is as good. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we've seen today, that against Kilmarnock. A real well. positive for, for Rangers fans besides the result was the performance of Bates. Yeah. So maybe given a glimpse of what can be achieved at the back with, with him and Wilson. Is that the future of the Rangers back line? Uh, ultimately, 
Wilson is obviously there at the moment, but long-term, McCrory and Bates as a partnership, is that something that you can see? I don't know. I think, I'm not sure David Bates is a first-choice Rangers centre-back. He's a no-nonsense guy that will give us all, but is he a title-winning centre-back? Is he, is he a player that could play at the top level? I'm not so sure. Uh, I think McCrory will be part of any future Rangers defence. I can't see him sticking at centre-midfield for the long term. I think he'll drop back into centre-back, but I think it's more likely to be Ross McCrory and Danny Wilson over the next <coughs> season or two, at least. Well, we talked about Rangers centre-backs. One Celtic centre-back that impressed was uh, Christoph Ayer. I mean, he had an excellent season at Kilmarnock. Gary, you watched him a few times there. What's your take on how he's made that jump from Kilmarnock slowly this season, but eventually into the Celtic first team? And he, he looks like he's thriving. Well, if you recall, he was given a bit of a chance um, in the Champions League qualifiers, um, the game away in Astana, and after that, sort of Beaton came in and replaced him. You thought maybe Ayer's chance was gone. There was even talk of him going back out and loan to Kilmarnock, but I've always felt, having watched a bit of him last season, that there's potential to be a real future long-term Celtic centre-back there. It's just, the word is composure with him. He doesn't panic on the ball. He's very, very good at bringing the ball out of defence. Defensively, he's he's got a bit of pace. He's obviously quite tall. And I think he just needs more game time. And I think he needs to get more used to being a Celtic first-team player, if that makes sense. And Celtic have shelled out a million pounds on, um, on compare, but, you know... Ayer could be actually the man to partner Ayer Boyata, who didn't have a good game today, or Suminovic going forward. And I think Brendan Rodgers maybe won a watch, putting Ayer into the spotlight when there was injuries and discovering that, yeah, this boy can actually make it in the first team. Yeah, I thought he was excellent today as well. He, was... he travels with the ball so well, doesn't yeah. he? Just I, glides. I do think yeah. there, was a, there was one spell in the first half where he came out with the ball and Jason Holt robbed him with it. And I do think that's a wee bit of a worry for Celtic that probably can get caught doing that if he does it too much but uh, but he, he is so good at bringing the ball out for the back the vast majority of the time that it's not really a problem it kind of reminds me of when Bouguera used to do it for Rangers all the time there was always that fear that oh no he's going to lose it but uh, yeah most of the time he's rock solid and given what we were talking about earlier Johnny about Celtic obviously want to play the ball out the back he is the perfect yeah. style of player for Rodgers in that position do you guys foresee serious transfer activity at Celtic Park? We talked about them being looking a little bit like they might be a little tired. And, and ultimately, Rogers hasn't done a lot of surgery on this side since he arrived. He spent decent money on Sinclair when he came in. He's obviously spent a little bit of money on Cham. But serious surgery to that first team for players that will come in and make a difference right away. He hasn't really done that. How long can Rogers go on without getting quite frustrated at his lack of ability to go and pick someone that's going to go straight into that first team and, and, and change things up a little bit. I think a big factor in it is the sale of Van Dijk um, and the sell-on fee uh, that Celtic get from that six, six, seven million. Six, seven million. And, you know, I've heard, um, even going back to Blackburn Rovers, I know this is a slightly tenuous link, but... The season after they won the Premiership, they didn't refresh the team and the team were a bit jaded and there's been other stories of title winning teams like that and they need a new signing just to give an injection of energy, something new, a new dimension. And again, I'll refer back to Scott McDonald on the, the podcast recently, Johnny. 
you said a new number 10 Tom Rogic hasn't really um, performed to the same level he's been maybe given less a chance last season and I think they need a kind of false 9 number 10 energetic player in there and it would not surprise me if Rodgers shells out a considerable amount of money on a player like that in January I think overall you've got to question Brendan Rodgers' transfer record as well I don't think I mean Obviously, you can't question what he's done at Celtic. He's done an incredible job and stuff. But well, you can, but you will laugh at you. Yeah, exactly. Like there's no, there's no way you can criticise his performance as Celtic manager. But if there's one thing that maybe should be a wee bit of a worry is his performance in the transfer window. Because if you look at if you take out Sinclair and Dembele, there's not another signing that he's made that's came into that team and improved it. I don't think Cham has shown in flashes what he can do. Uh, you've got Abuie, Kwasi. Uh, he's shown absolutely nothing so far. And that was uh, three million quid. Exactly. So. That's more money the Rangers paid for Carlos Peña and Rangers have been getting slaughtered for it. Obviously, Rangers signed him, expected him to go straight into the first team and perform, but uh, I, th- I do think there's a wee concern about Rodgers' ability in the transfer window. He's, he's had, what, four, three, four windows now and he's not signed a centre-back that is good enough. Uh, he's not signed a goalkeeper that's good enough. I know we were praising Gordon's performance earlier, but overall he's not saying the keeper that can play his style of football and still be that shot stopper. Very, very good points, but but he's probably not needed to make these kind of big signings so far because they strolled the league last yeah. season. They've done well in the Champions League. Now is the first sign that this current crop are looking a bit jaded, and that's maybe where he really needs to go out. Well, I think any Celtic fan could have told you last season that. To True. perform in Europe, they need a stronger centre back. Uh, Everything's also in context of them being what nine points uh, yeah. clear now in the league. What well, we'd expect that anyway, I suppose. What about Rangers guys? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of comings and goings by by all accounts. Um, Windass has had a bit of interest, I believe. So. Interest in Windass and Tavernier, but it doesn't sound like at the level that would make Rangers want to sell two of their best players. And then, obviously, we had our exclusive about Russell Martin, which again. That ties back into this whole thing about Alves, I suspect. What, what's your take on these kind of names that have been brought up? Stephen Naismith. I don't think I don't think Russell Martin coming in would change anything about Bruno Alves purely because it's only for Scotland that he plays centre back. It's only for Scotland that he plays out of position. He's a right back for Norwich. He's played right back his whole career. Uh, he's lost his place to Evo Pinto at Norwich, not Grant Hanley or anyone else. He is a right back first and foremost, and I think he would come in as competition for James Tavernier if he joined Rangers. Uh, I think Rangers would be absolutely mad to let Tavernier or Windass go in the January window. Uh, they've been two of the most important players. Tavernier was absolutely outstanding today for Rangers. Uh, he was leading the team from the front. He was just all over the pitch. There was one stage where Rangers won a corner after Tavernier booted it off somebody on the halfway line and uh, Ross McCrory went to sprint straight up the pitch to go in for the corner but Tavernier noticed that Forrest, Celtic left Forrest, Griffiths up and it was only going to be him at the back. He ran straight up grabbed them, got them back. That's the kind of thing that Rangers have been missing from players Players that are going to lead from the front, uh, show all their players what to do. It will be crazy to let them go. I think this is the first time we're going to really see Mark Allen um, sort of earn his wage. Uh, a lot of the signings last summer were obviously Pedro Cachinha's and I mean, who knows the names Rangers are going to be linked with um, over the transfer window. Um, there's players I'm sure we, we've not heard about um, thus far in the press. Mark Allen's obviously got a background 
in the English Premiership uh, down south. It wouldn't surprise me if Rangers look at a few loan signings um, from top Premiership clubs, clubs. And what I think Rangers really need is they've got good sitting midfielders, obviously um, Dorans and Jack are out at the moment, but they really lack that creative, energetic spark in the middle of the park. And I think that's where they need to, to focus on. Down the wings, they look good. There's a lot of creativity there, a lot of invention. Defensively, we talked about Morelos, they can rely on for a goal. It's just that sort of... Similar to Celtic, almost looking for a number 10 this January, I would say. OK, guys, that's all from us. We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can. I'm on Twitter, at Johnny R. McFarlane. Uh, Mark is at... McDougall1994 and Gary is at Gary E Journal. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audio Boom to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Hanging on the edge of the wire, hanging on the edge of desire.